Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4 slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4 slash Lisa. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From pornographic books in children's schools to drag queens twerking half naked in front of kids, it is clear that there's an ideological war that's being waged against America's youth. They are being subjected to things they should not be subjected to, whether it's the sexualization of children, pornographic books, as I mentioned, critical race theory, indoctrinating kids, teaching them to feel like they're less than because of the color of their skin. We'll talk to two parents and two authors who wrote the book about it. The book's called Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. We'll we'll talk to them about what parents can do, how they can fight this, and what should they be aware of. Bethany Mandel is a contributing writer for Desert News. She's also the editor of children's book series Heroes of Liberty. She's also a columnist for Fox News and a homeschooling mother of six. Carol Markowitz is a weekly columnist at the New York Post and Fox News as well. She was born in the Soviet Union, grew up in Brooklyn, and relocated her family during COVID from New York to Florida because of COVID and what they're doing to children during that. So we'll talk to both of them about the decisions they've made as parents to try to protect their kids and what you could potentially do as a parent. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Bethany and Carol about their new book, Stolen Youth. Carol and Bethany, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. You know, so let's start with you, Carol. The book title is Stolen Youth, but I mean, that's exactly what's happening. I mean, we're essentially depriving kids of their innocence these days. Definitely. That was a big part of our thinking and writing this book is what kids are missing because of this targeted indoctrination and forced conformity that they're going through. Um, And we just started thinking about how childhood is supposed to be a time of innocence and discovery. And both of those things are being taken away from them. They're not allowed to explore their thoughts, um, because there's a very rigid way of thinking about everything. And they're told that should they step outside those lines, you know, they, they could be canceled, um, or worse. And the 
indoctrination that they're facing is happening to them at every step of their life in every area of their life, um, from schools to the library, to the pediatrician's office and so on. And we do feel that something is being robbed of these children. You know, Bethany, why do you think children specifically are being targeted? So this was a great chapter that Carol wrote in our book. And, you know, if you look back at the history of sort of revolutions and, um, and different sort of efforts to remake entire societies. Um, Carol, I like feel like I'm talking to, for you too much, but Carol is a, um, she came from the former Soviet Union. And so this is, you know, something that she's been talking a lot, a lot, talking about a lot in all of our interviews. Um, you know, it's very reminiscent of uh, sort of communist regimes. And she talks about Cambodia, which is a place I used to live actually. Um, and uh, Soviet Union, uh, China, like, the, the best way to sort of capture a society is to get at the kids. And it's because they're the most vulnerable and they have, um, they don't have as many sort of critical thinking skills to, they don't have the BS radar basically to be like, mm, this sounds like nonsense. Um, they very much take things at face value. And so, you know, kids are the easiest target for this kind of um, activism. And it's also a way to get to the parents is once you capture the kids, it becomes far easier to get the parents to believe what you want. And every totalitarian society separates the family first, because that is the easiest way to get people to believe what you want them to believe. Bethany, how captured is our society right now? Incredibly so. I think that if, if you talk to anyone who works for corporate America, they'll see that DEI is the lay of the land. Uh, and, you know, over the course of talking to parents while writing this book and sort of doing interviews, uh, folks were, folks had some really shocking stories about the extent to which all of this kind of material uh, had seeped into their kids' curriculums. And, um, you know, I think that there were a lot of parents who had their their radars up for content in health class, for example, um, but a, lo- a lot fewer parents were ready to see that, like, it had seeped into reading instruction. And so, you know, during, uh, during kindergarten read aloud, especially in the month of June during Pride Week, um, there was a lot of this kind of content. Um, but also it just sort of slips into picture books um, very much unnoticed. And I mean, unnoticed by parents, but very deliberately on the part of teachers and librarians. Uh, but that was sort of the, the surprising thing for a lot of parents uh, that I spoke with was the extent to which this had seeped. Um, and the, you know, I, I, it wasn't surprising to, to people in professional associations like the American Academy of Pediatrics um, because they've been getting those magazines and they've seen the extent to which this has ideologically captured their professional association and they felt like they were sort of being drowned in that content. Um, Carol says this this um, statistic a lot. Only 7% of people in America describe themselves as very liberal, uh, and probably fewer would consider themselves woke. Uh, but the problem is they're sort of inserting themselves in the, in the upper echelons of these professional associations and these organizations, and they're influence is very outsized and no one wants to be accused of being a bigot or a racist. And so when they do their DEI stuff, a lot of people go along with it because they're afraid of being labeled, you know, a troublemaker or a Karen or, um, 
or sort of a racist or a bigot. And so um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that uh, is going on without people necessarily consenting, but their silence is their consent. Carol, to Bethany's point, you know, one thing that concerns me a lot is this like almost attempt to sexualize children. I mean, we see with, you know, some of these drag shows where, you know, you have half naked people like twerking in front of kids, kids giving out money. You look at some of the books that uh, you know are available to children in schools, which we've seen parents protest over of engaging in sexual acts in these books, like things that children we should be protecting children from not exposing them to. Why do you think there's this effort to sexualize Children. So, Beth, we have a chapter on uh, early sexual sexualization of children in the book, and Bethany wrote that. And it's really because it discombobulates the kids. It, it you can when you kind of mess the kid up. I know that this sounds crazy, but like, stay with me here because it's true. We really do. Um, we, we show this throughout the book that they are trying to damage the kids. That's part of the, the effort. And it's hard for people to believe that. But again, if you want people to believe your philosophy, if you want to push your ideology, it becomes much easier to do that when you have anxious, nervous, damaged kids that you can push your ideas onto. And that's really what the early sexualization is about. Um, it's also just the, the drag queen stuff um, has become something that the in-group does. They've decided that because conservatives or moderates or most people don't like twerking drag queens on their kindergartner, that they're going to double down on it and decide that this is what we do now. And we don't mind this. And you prudes don't like this. So that, that means that we will bring our children to these shows. Because when you look at these shows, it's not, um, you know, parents are going there willingly. They're, they're bringing their children willingly. They're, they're letting this happen and they're letting it happen because it's, the spectacle of the belief. And we go through this in the book where totalitarian societies, it wasn't enough to just say, look, this is what I think. You had to really emote and you really had to make a spectacle out of it. And these drag queen shows are that spectacle. It shows that this is what we are doing now. And if you're not, you're outside of this in-group. Quick commercial break. More with Carol and Bethany on the other side. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them. Sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be. With the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X, folks say this new solar generator from 4Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to 4Patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. 
Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong strong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the og spy kid alexa penavega you had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, and Bethany, since you wrote the chapter on it, I want to stay on this with you. What kind of impact is that having on kids to, to sort of expose them to these things that I personally don't believe they're ready to be exposed to? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's some really interesting sort of science behind how our brains develop. And there is a lot of evidence that it, how you are first exposed to something is sort it shapes the way you consider that thing. And so uh, this is sort of the insidious danger of porn. If you are exposed to porn at a very early age, right at the onset of puberty, and you have never obviously had a sexual experience of your own, this imprints in your brain for what that experience is and should be. And so going forward in into your adult life, you will consider sexual counters to be violent or um, unloving. And it's not an expression of love. It's an expression of violence. And that, I mean, if you like sort of sit on that and marinate for a minute, can you imagine what that's like for both boys and girls moving forward in their adult lives, that this beautiful expression of love is actually violence? Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot there, but also sort of on a societal level, and I, I deep into this, into the book somewhat, but I was sort of afraid of being too alarmist, but maybe I should have been, uh, the normalization of minor attracted persons, aka pedophiles. I don't think we're that far away from the complete normalization of that lifestyle choice and that it is uh, bigotry to be exposed to that life, to, to be opposed to that lifestyle choice. Uh, I think that there are, um, there's a lot of ways in which uh, pedophilia is being normalized. And, um, and I think that that's sort of the next frontier. We saw it with transgenderism, that that, that was the new next frontier. Um, and you know, there's some really disturbing stuff on that front. Um, once you sort of really go deep into it um, on social media and sort of in the, the trans- transgender ecosystem. Um, and not as disturbing um, 
is the is the minor attracted person stuff. And I think that that's that's where we're going next. Well, I totally agree. And I, I think we've seen that in academia as well. I mean, isn't that already happening? I mean, isn't it pedophilia when you look at some of these drag shows and an adult is half naked dancing for children? And I mean, that seems like pedophilia to me. 100%. And, you know, I, I talk about this in the book as well. Um, it's a trickle down effect from academia. And that's what happened with the normalization of transgender ideology. And, and that's also what's happening with minor attracted persons. Carol, another big way that we're seeing, you know, just kind of this targeting of children, this depriving them of their innocence is with things like critical race theory. I mean, if you're I mean, you look at children and how they interact with each other. They don't think about race like they'll reach out for anyone's hand. Like they're just pure and they're innocent souls and they see each other as humans. And then what a lot of these schools are going in and is distorting that viewpoint and and forcing them to see others with race through the, the racial, you know, through a racial lens, as opposed to just the innocence of, of loving another human being. Definitely. And it is part of the actually I, I relate a lot of this CRT and transgenderism are related. And here's how in my thinking um, CRT presents oppressors and oppressed. And if you're a basic white kid from the suburbs and you don't have any oppression points, um, trans is a really easy way to get some. You can be non-binary and not have to change a single thing about your life and get to be this new protected class uh, where you're the, you're the oppressed. You're suddenly different and you have this um, you know, class of category where you get to be something new and unique. And the idea that there are an oppressed class and an oppressor class and that we're, te- that we're teaching this to children, it's going to be damaging. They pick up this idea and they carry it throughout their lives. And we used to, and not we, but they used to only be targeted at college kids. And in the, in our book, Stolen Youth, we trace how early this is happening now that kindergartners get this education about oppression and um, the kids who are too young to understand any of these concepts are being fed this nonsense. And it's really creating damaging effects for our society and for these individual children. We tell so many stories about kids who have been damaged by this ideology. And I don't want to give a pass, you know, for a long time, Bethany and I would say that our book is about wokeness, destroying childhood, but that's too vague. It's not wokeness. It's the woke. It's these people destroying other people. It's not some ephemeral philosophy floating in the air. It's literally teachers and people in positions of authority knowing that this is not going to be good for the children and doing it anyway. Bethany, I think one of my big fears is, you know, we see what schools are doing. We see what, you know, government is trying to do, what the left is trying to do to these kids. But I worry that we're entering into an era where, you know, they're trying to remove parental rights. I mean, they've already kind of made their declarations known. And we saw Terry McAuliffe during the Virginia gubernatorial race basically saying that, you know, parents shouldn't have a say over their kids' education. But, you know, the next step is, legally trying to remove parents from their kids who who don't want them to change their gender or who don't want them to have gender surgery who don't you know and and talk a little bit about that uh and and if you have some of those same concerns so i absolutely do um on a realistic level there are too many children in the foster care system who are facing really serious 
uh, instances, experiences of abuse. And, and I don't want to be too alarmist and say that the foster system is, um, is out to get all of our kids because they can't take all of our kids. So I don't think that's the case. That being said, uh, there are a number of states already that won't allow <clears throat> parents to foster children or adopt children unless they agree to uh, provide their children with the euphemistic gender-affirming care, aka they have to agree if that if their seven-year-old comes to them and says, their seven-year-old, who, by the way, has already experienced enough trauma that they've landed themselves in the foster care system, um, you know, they have to agree to, to honor that seven-year-old's uh, request to, to change genders. And um, I think that that is the scariest possibility um, because these are already the most vulnerable and the most uh, emotionally damaged children. And that's, I mean, if, if you look at who the children are who are declaring themselves to be of another gender, they are children who are already experiencing mental health crises. And it's manifesting as gender identity disorder. And so the, the kids who are going to be sort of the hardest hit by the government's intrusion into these really complex decisions on the parts of families are going to be kids who are in foster care who have been adopted. And, um, and that's, that's what's really heartbreaking, I think, about a, a lot of these issues is that the most vulnerable children um, are the ones who, um, who are at most risk. I just want to add um, about the Terry McAuliffe point, Lisa, that it gets lost. Um, and as we move away from that moment, which was really powerful, I think when Terry McAuliffe said that, you know, parents shouldn't have control over what's taught in the kids' schools, what he was talking about in that moment were those pornographic books that are being now removed from libraries in places like Florida. He was literally saying that parents cannot remove those pornographic books. That's what he was talking about. And it, that to me encapsulates so many different things. Like he wanted to defend those insane books that we cannot read aloud on, you know, news programs because they're too graphic and they're too um, sexually explicit. And Terry McAuliffe wanted parents to not have a say in that. And so in Stolen Youth, we go through a lot of the uh, the, just the angling of this kind of thing where they're so ready to keep these books in elementary schools because the rest of us don't want it. It becomes a, a point of pride for them. Like, look, we have books that show graphic intercourse for children. Um, and these prude conservatives don't want this, but we're going to fight to have this in the schools. Well, and it gets called censorship, Bethany. I mean, if you're someone like Governor DeSantis, you try to protect kids from some of this garbage in schools and places like, you know, Florida, the left calls it censorship. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's an upside down world. And I thought that what DeSantis did was really brilliant, that he sort of tried to read the content and show the content and he got cut off because it was so disturbing and so graphic that they couldn't show it on air. Um, when Carol and I went on Megan Kelly recently, uh, she showed a video of a child at a school board meeting reading aloud a book that he had found on display at his school library. And it was, I mean, we were on video just, yeah, cringing, squirming in our seats. It was so deeply uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm really of two minds. I mean, 
but I kind of land more on the side of like, do that, do that, because he's already been exposed to it. And so adults should have to uh, atone for that exposure and and be made to feel uncomfortable because I will probably forget the DeSantis stunt in a year. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. And at the moment, I think it moved the needle, but I'll probably forget it. I don't think I'll ever forget hearing that child read that content aloud. You know, and, and Carol, I, I'm not for censorship for adults, but we have a duty as adults to protect children. How responsible, you know, we, we see all the you know targeting of kids, but it's also really up to the parents to sort of step up to protect their kids, to make noise, to get loud and to intervene here. Absolutely. And the thing is that, you know, as a parent, I do what I can in the home, um, but I can't control what's in the school library. So the you know, the, the pictures of the empty bookshelves that they thought were going to shame Governor DeSantis into not pulling porn off the shelves. To me, yes, I want you to empty the bookshelves, go through every book, make sure that it's acceptable for kids and then put it back on the shelf. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. Not only that, I think that's what we should be doing that. That's what the standard should be. Um, I, the idea that small children should be able to access all books is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, look, you know, we rate movies at a, a certain rating because we understand that kids are not supposed to see everything all the time. Um, and books are not that different. There were lots of books that are not appropriate for kids. And I think the ones that they keep discovering in school libraries are deeply inappropriate for kids. I think not even just elementary. I think middle schoolers shouldn't have access to that stuff either. Um, you know, sexual interactions at sleepovers and, and really graphic, like, uh, sex pictures. I, I don't want my middle schoolers seeing that either. And I, I don't think that the, there's anything wrong with that. I, I, it's crazy to me that this is a discussion, but what the left ends up doing is saying that this isn't really happening. And then when you show them that it is happening, they're like, oh, okay, but it only, it's only happening in, in high schools. And then when you show them it's happening in elementary and middle schools, they say, okay, but it's only a handful of schools. And then you, we can't get to like, okay, well, should those handful of schools remove those books? Because you know that the next step for them is going to be like, it's good that those books are in elementary and middle school libraries, because that's where it always ends up. Bethany, you have six children. You, you are homeschooling them. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so how do I do that as far as like writing books and living my life? Or like, how do I, do, like, how does, how does homeschooling work? How does one question. do that much? I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> the question. So, I mean, I get a, get by with a little help from my friends. No, I mean, it's it doesn't take as much time. It doesn't take eight hours a day. And I think that you, school, I'm a school in like Finland, for example, is like probably half the amount of hours. Um, the amount of time that we spend on school is actually quite small. It's probably closer to two or three per day. Um, and we take lots of breaks and, you know, it can happen at any point in the day. We sometimes do school on Sundays if we have a big day on a Tuesday. Um, it's very flexible and it's as flexible as you want it to be. Um, but I, I, it's funny, I, because I've been doing press for this book, I've actually had my one-year-old um, at a sort of drop-in daycare here and there on days that um, that I'm doing, you know, lots of stuff like today. And this morning, I got him there an hour late, and I hated handing him over. And I was like, ah, this is why I have them all at home, because I can't get everyone out the door, and I don't want to send everyone out the door. Ooh, sorry. Except my dog. I would send my dog out the door. Um, 
so yeah, so it's, it's, it's really, um, I think parent, I was saying this to someone recently, parenting is hard. No matter what you do, what choices you make, it's hard. And they're all just different kinds of hard. Well, and, and Carol, you know, you've also taken steps like Bethany to try to kind of shield your kid from some of the madness going on. You know, you relocated your family to Florida during COVID. You know, talk about how impactful COVID has been on our youth. How damaging has that been? We have a chapter on COVID in Stolen Youth because we felt like we couldn't write this book without tracing the origins of a lot of the conversations that we're having. And COVID exposed a lot of things. It exposed that uh, people in charge have no idea what's going on. Um, It exposed that they won't change their minds even when an abundance of evidence exists that their uh, conclusions have been wrong. Um, They also, COVID exposed a lot of what was going on in schools that parents didn't know. They suddenly saw it over their kid's shoulder and wondered why they were learning this nonsense. Um, And so the COVID chapter was important to both of us to include, even though I would say it's not a direct fit with the rest of the book. The rest of the book traces um, a lot of things that are current or happening or, or, you know, we predict is happening in the future. But COVID is kind of a look back. But that look back is really important because we really need to know what went wrong during COVID and the way the kids were targeted uh, in order not to do it again. Although I think we're completely poised to absolutely do it again. The New York Times had a piece this weekend. What do we do during the next pandemic? Do we have mask mandates? Do we um, have vaccine mandates? It's like they learned absolutely nothing and they want to make sure that their bad ideas are implemented the next time around too. Um, I, you know, in my, in my own life, we picked up and moved to Florida best, you know, decision ever got to meet Lisa Booth, obviously. Well, yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, um, it, it wasn't easy, but it was what was necessary for our family. And in our solutions chapters in stolen youth, Bethany and I prevent, uh, present various solutions because obviously we've taken two different paths. Um, and mine, part of it is if you're living somewhere where things are crazy and your kids are targeted and you don't feel good about the, the childhood and the, the raising of the children that you're doing in in where you are moving is something you need to consider. Maybe it's not as drastic as moving to another state. Maybe it's another community. Maybe you need to switch schools. Um, but childhood is short and you need to do what you have to do for your family. I think that it's never going to be easy, but you need to make the choices to make sure that your kids grow into resilient, confident, capable adults. Yo, and Bethany, what kind of solutions would, would you offer to parents who are listening to this and they're saying, look, I agree with everything that's being said, but I just, I don't know what to do about it. So, I mean, I think that Carol's right. I mean, while, while we offer two different solutions, they're, they're not as different as I think people might be- believe on the outset. I I think that they're all just different kinds of hard. Um, the last word in our book uh, is one that Carol wrote, and it's fight. And no matter what fight looks like for your family and what makes sense, um, you have to do it. Uh, when we were trying to sell this book project to publishers, we heard iterations of like, this is going to sell like gangbusters. And spoiler alert, it is selling like gangbusters. We've been in the top 100 for almost a full week now um, on Amazon, like the top 100 books on Amazon. Um, but they were afraid of the fight. There was one 
there was one super nice editor who we really clicked with who was afraid of the fight message. She said, you know, people don't want to fight. And that's absolutely true. People don't want to fight. And, you know, us included, we've definitely, and we talk about it in the book and we've been talking about it in the press for, you know, since the release, there have been instances in which we've chickened out, both of us. And we kind of are trying to learn from those moments and do better going on in the future. And we're not perfect and no parent is perfect, obviously. Um, But we want people to fight. We want people to understand that this is an existential threat that we're facing and our kids are on the line and kids in general are on the line, their entire generation. And uh, we have to do what is necessary to try to protect their resilience and their innocence because uh, I think the, the lesson that we learned over COVID is no one else will. I just want to add to Bethany's point. When we say we were trying to sell our book and we kept getting um, pushback from publishers saying like, oh, this is really controversial or um, we want to see less fighting in the book. These are conservative publishers. This is the conservative um, publishing world that was telling us you have to tone down the fighting message because they were scared that Amazon or Target were going to pull the books and not sell them. Um, and we thought we were not writing anything particularly controversial. The, the fight for your kids message should be one that everybody on the left and right uh, should appreciate. And yet we had a lot of trouble publishing this book because the idea of fighting back is one that conservatives just shy away from. And, you know, it's something that Lisa and I, I know discuss privately a lot too, that we could be braver and we can have a, a more on our side, people who speak up and, aren't as afraid. Quick commercial break. Stay with us. Two thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. You could be one of them sitting in the dark and cold for hours, for days, maybe even weeks. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Folks say this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold. Why? Because this generator has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run the big appliances like your fridge, even longer, or other devices like an electric blanket, microwave, RV air conditioner, or even an electric wheelchair. You also get 12 outlets, including four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once, and two USB-C outlets, which can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot power generators. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Lisa. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong strong and getty show to start listening more than a movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia he has the smarts of Vito, the temper of sunny the warmth of fredo and the coldness of michael to the og spy kid alexa penavega you had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I'll, I'll offer this up for whoever wants to take it, but I, I think I'd be remiss to not mention social media because we're really seeing kind of a lack of independence, a lack of critical thinking. And I think social media is playing a, a big role in just conditioning society, conditioning our youth uh, and, and sort of depriving them of that, you know, independence and critical thinking. Uh, anyone who wants to take that one? Um, I'm happy to. Yeah. Look, social media is... Um, it's here to stay is sort of what my thinking on it is. And again, Bethany and I have different perspectives on this where I, my solution for my kids is to let them be part of society to, you know, they're not really on social media, but they're also little, they're My oldest one is 13. She, you know, Snapchats with her friends, but that's it. Um, she's not on anything else. No TikTok, no Instagram. Um, and you have to have control over it. Just like TV or video games or anything else, you have to be the parent and it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. I've seen the TikTok addicted kids who are just can't stop scrolling. And I I've said to myself, I just don't want my kids to be like that. And so you have to do for your kids what what you expect. Um, you can't just, just assume that it's going to be okay. And that you've, um, just because you've told them that you don't like social media, that they're going to follow that lead. If you don't want them on social media, keep them off social media. Um, but you're right that there is, it it is, a the way that a lot of these contagions are spread and it has to start with the parents controlling what the kids see. Bethany, anything you want to add to that? I referenced it in the book, but there's a great book by Naomi Schaefer Riley, be the parent, please. And I kind of, I would push back on the the notion that um, having phones and having social media is an eventuality. I think that um, as more parents need to get comfortable with the idea of fighting on the outside, um, I think that we also have to fight our own kids and say, like, I don't care what everyone else is doing. That is not something we're doing in our family. Um, I, I there's a, there's a lot of data and there's more and more data every day that comes out that says, like, man phones and social media are really screwing up an entire generation. And I think that we need to sort of take that data to heart and make decisions accordingly. I agree. Uh, before we go, Carol, what do you want people to take away from this book? I think that the main thing for me is that it's not going to be easy. I say this a lot about a lot of things. I just think people expect a really easy solution um, to problems. And th- th- we've allowed this woke virus to capture so many of our institutions. They've marched through our schools. They, they have, um, you know, taken over so many things and it's not going to be an overnight thing to get them back. And especially when your kids are concerned, it's going to be a protracted battle and you need to look at it that way. And I I feel like people can adjust to that thought that it's not going to be fast and it's not going to be easy and it's your children and you need to fight for them. Um, I, I do think we win eventually, but what I want people to know about this book is that we lay out the problems, we present solutions, and the next step is your input. You need to fight and you need to start now. Bethany, anything else you want to leave us with? What do you hope people take away? I hope that people sort of take away that they are sort of most responsible for their own children um, and that 
childhood, <laughs> my three-year-old just blew me a kiss, um, that childhood is short and it is sacred and um, that there are a lot of forces coming from all different directions that are um, that are aimed right at our kids. Uh, the insidiousness of sort of the woke movement for our kids is something that we really wanted to expose for parents, that it is more widespread than you had any idea. And, you know, in the case of the sexualization stuff with the minor attracted persons, like there is some really dark stuff on the road um, and you have to be ready for it because it is coming whether you are or aren't. Totally agree. Uh, appreciate the perspective of you both. Congrats on the success of Stolen Youth. I hope it keeps crushing it. Thank you so much, Lisa. You are the best. Oh, you are too, my friend. Bethany, thanks so much for joining the show. Appreciate you both. That was Carol Markowitz and Bethany Mandel talking about their new book, Stolen Youth. It's out in bookstores now. You can also buy it on the internet as well. Go out and get it. I want to thank you guys for listening to the show every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together as well. Please leave us a review. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4patriots.com Lisa. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.